have you in God's house this morning. We're delighted that you are with us. If you are a guest, we welcome you here, and we are so glad to have you be a part of this worship service, and we would ask that you would uh, take out that tab that's in your bulletin, fill it out, and place in the offering plate if you are that special guest today with us, and, uh, and fill, it out, fill it out, place in the offering plate, or give it to Tim or I at the end of the service, and we would love to get in contact with you and let you know what God's doing here at Mechanicsville Baptist Church. Uh, if you would go to the back of your bulletin, you'll see the opportunities for the week. Uh, youth, we still meet tonight at 6, uh, from 6 to 8. And um, tomorrow morning at 8.30, Keenage Club, that's what time you leave uh, to depart from here at the church to go to Pennsylvania. So be aware of that if you're going on that trip. And also, if you will notice on your bulletin, there are a lot of committee teams that are meeting this week. Uh, nominating team, you're meeting at 7 on Monday. Personnel team, you're meeting at 6.30 on Tuesday. Uh, endowment team will meet at 7 on Wednesday. And missions development team will meet at 6.30 on Thursday. So if you are a part of any of those teams or committees, uh, be aware of that. That information is on the back of the bulletin. Um, regular Wednesday night activities will continue. Uh, we do not have prayer meeting in the morning on Wednesday, so no 11 a.m. prayer meeting that Wednesday morning if you normally go, but we will have it at 6.15 that night. And also, we will not have uh, Wednesday night suppers starting this Wednesday, so no Wednesday night suppers. Uh, we'll continue with those after the roof project is done, but until uh, that gets done and we begin construction, we will not have Wednesday night suppers. <clears throat> also, at the end of this service, uh, Amy Chodorov will be in the back of the vestibule signing people up for the blood drive. This is an annual blood drive that we have, and uh, if you would like to give blood or if you would like to help uh, register people for that, we ask that uh, you would go to the back and um, be a part of that. She uh, will be registering you at the end of service. Well, now let's prepare our hearts and our minds for worship this morning.
As you know, we will be partaking of the Lord's Supper here in just a few moments. And as we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, I'm reminded of Hebrews 9, verse 22, where the writer says, And according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. But without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Aren't you thankful this morning that our precious Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood so we could be forgiven and receive eternal life in him? Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for shedding your blood for us on the cross through your son, Jesus Christ. For he became the mediator between us and you. By dying on the cross for our sins that separated us from a holy God. And Lord, as we ready our hearts and minds to partake of your supper and of your communion, may we remember the salvation that you gave through your son Jesus. May we remember what he did for us on that cross and the life that he has given us through his resurrection. And Lord, may we proclaim Jesus with our lives. Bless us as we continue to worship this morning. May we lift up his holy name. May we listen to the message that is preached. We ask that you would speak through Tim to each of our hearts. And may we better learn how we can serve the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Uh, this morning, Brenda and the ladies ensemble are away on a retreat, so be in prayer uh, for them as they return. Uh, but I would ask that you would open your hymnal and turn to hymn number 334, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Let's praise him this morning as we stand and we sing.
When we think of Jesus in the upper room that night, we think of disciples who were afraid of being separated from their Lord and Savior. They had spent almost three years with him. And the time had come for him to be serious with them in a way that they had not detected before, even though he was serious with them before. When he said his time had come. The time of his departure was at hand. And so in order to give the disciples some sense of comfort, some sense of security, he gave them something to hold on to. He gave them a symbol of his body and blood. We all need assurance and reassurance in times of separation, don't we? We have our own security mechanisms. When I was a child, I had a small pillow that I carried around. It gave me a sense of security. I still find myself hugging a pillow when I'm watching TV or something. But this is far more than that kind of security. This is a security now and security in the future that we need not worry about being separated. And so Jesus gave them the very common element of bread And when he had broken it and blessed it, he gave it to his disciples and said, For as often as you eat this, remember me. After they had eaten, he took the cup as a reminder to them of the price of sin and said this is the new covenant in my blood for as often as you drink it remember me and he leaves us with this hope for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. We failed this morning to recognize Elf Karen, and so I'm giving her that opportunity now before we continue in our worship. If Sam's not here, I'll do it. He was in the first service. Merry Christmas. When the Operation Christmas Child elf misplaces her elf hat, she chooses to wear her patriotic hat. Isn't it exciting to join with Christians all across the United States of America, packing shoeboxes for needy children around the world? I recently met Eves from Rwanda, actually born in a refugee camp in Congo. His family moved from country to country as war tore apart that continent. Atrocities, war, hatred filled his heart. He lived in a village in Togo which was heavily influenced by witch doctors. They taught people to never step foot into a church. These villages were dangerous. Some Christians who went to church never came back again. The villagers wouldn't come to church and you couldn't go to see them, so how could they, re- so how they, could they be reached for Christ? Through a shoebox. The village children didn't go to school because they didn't have school supplies. So their parents were willing to send them to the church, 
when it was time to, to receive the shoe boxes because they knew there'd be school supplies. The witch doctors warned the villagers to stay away from the church, but many of them went anyway. And there they received their gifts and they had the opportunity to meet Jesus. Still, Eve's heart was hard, but God touched him at the age of 11 through that shoebox because he realized a stranger loved him. A stranger sent him a gift. How can someone love me when they don't even know me? How is it possible when our neighbors in Rwanda have tried to kill us? But God touched his heart. And now he is serving God full time and lives here in the United States. Angela from Malawi was overjoyed with her shoebox when she had a flashlight because they had no electricity. And this was a, a godsend for her. You have generously brought gifts every month so that together we can pack shoeboxes in early November. At this, at this moment, it appears that you brought enough things for about 200 shoeboxes. But we're short on a few things, so that is your assignment for October. If you will please think about balls, dolls, combs and brushes, Pens and pencils, toothbrushes, candy, hard candy, and gum. So when you make your normal trip to the Dollar Tree, to the grocery store, to Walmart, will you think of this? And this will bring to your mind these things for Operation Christmas Child where you can make a difference it is humbling to see what great things God is doing through the greatest journey. That's the salvation booklet and course that's taught after the children receive their shoebox. A journey that begins when we pack shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. Thank you. As we continue worshiping this morning, I would invite you to turn to hymn number 426, Victory in Jesus. Let's sing about the victory that we have in Christ this morning as we stand and we sing.
Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you now with praise and gratitude for all the many blessings you have given us. Thank you so much for the opportunity we have had this past week to share your love through serving our Caritas guests, and we ask for your continued blessings on those 32 men. Help us to always be generous givers, dear Lord, both of our money and our lives that we might make a difference here at McCainsville Baptist Church, in our community, and in the world. We praise you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we come before you once again with thanksgiving in our hearts for the joy of serving you. For knowing, Father, that you are for us. And if you are for us, who can be against us? Forgive us, Father, for failing to comprehend the magnitude of your love for us as you gave your Son to die in our stead. We are grateful for the power of your love to redeem. We are indeed blessed, Father, that as we pray, we know that we can pray with expectation. We're thankful, Father, that as we lift those up who are in need of prayer because of illness, you already know who they are. We know, Father, that as we walk through this life that there are times that we will face illness. In this fallen creation, Father, we depend on you to bring healing and to bring hope and assurance. We pray, Father, for those who have lost loved ones in our church family these past several weeks. Periods like this are very difficult as we are reminded, Father, 
of those who have served with us who are no longer present. And yet we find hope in knowing that the God that we serve is the same God that they served. And by their faith, they are in your presence. Bless their families. Bring comfort to them. We're grateful, Father, for this church and for the work that is before us. We're thankful for the faithfulness of your people to the project at hand to secure the roof for your building. We're so thankful for the Family Life Center and for what it means to us as we come together each week and as we work together in that place, as we uh, give thanks for the facility during weeks such as Caritas when those who are in such great need can be served. May this place always be a beacon of light in this community. We're grateful for our missionaries and for their work here and around the world and we pray that you will bless them and keep them safe and provide for their needs. We're thankful, Father, that they have a story to share. For the gospel has the power to change lives. Even, Father, when we are discouraged, we know that there is strength in your word. May we share your word so that others might hear. As we open your word this morning, Father, may we find a challenge. May we find instruction as we seek to serve you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Good morning. We um, we told Tim that we were going to sing this morning, and I'm sure he had a prayer for us, but we're going to sing anyway. So uh, we're missing one of our members, Mary, our fiddle player, or violin virtuoso. But anyway, she had schoolwork to do, and that's far more important than singing with an old gray-haired guy like me. So... Uh, but we're going to sing part of two songs for you. The first one is uh, a song I learned with Lionel Mills many years ago. And uh think about him every time we sing it. But these folks do, do an excellent job of it. It's called He Is My Everything. I remember my days of darkness. Without sunshine or light to guide the way. Then a whisper of his voice softly called me to the arms of my maker to stay. He is my reason for living. He King of all kings, I long to be his possession. He is my everything. After the thunder and lightning, after the last bell has rung. I want to bow down before him and hear him say, well done. He is my reason for living. He is the king of all kings. 
I long to be his possession. He is my everything. I long to be his possession. He is my everything. The next, the next song that we do is, is an old country hymn, gospel song. Uh, Will the circle be unbroken? We had a couple of requests for that. Well, we're gonna do that anyway too. So, um, but it's 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 kind of a somber song, but it tells us that even though we face sorrows here on earth, there's a better land awaiting. There's a there's a hopefulness on the other side that we can look forward to. So. That's what we're going to do for you. I was standing by my window on one cold and cloudy day when I saw that hers come rolling for to carry my mother away. Will the circle, Will the circle be, unbroken? be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by? There's a better, There's a better home, awaiting home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky. Lord, I told that Undertaker, undertaker, please drive slow. For that body you are hauling, Lord, I hate to see her go. I will follow close behind her, try to hold up and be brave. But I could not hide my sorrow when they lay her in the grave. Will the circle, Will the circle be, unbroken? be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by? There's a better better home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky. In the sky, Lord, in the sky. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. Familiar words of Paul that we hear from time to time. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It was a mountain one-room schoolhouse where severe discipline was used to keep the rowdyism of uninterested pupils in check. The noon recess was ended, and the teacher was interrogating the class with regard to the disappearance of Sally Jane's lunch. After a few minutes of verbal threats and demands, a sob was heard. It was little Billy, a thin, undernourished child. His family was the poorest of the poor. Did you take Sally Jane's lunch, demanded the teacher. Yes, sir, mumbled Billy through the tears. I was hungry. Nevertheless, you did wrong to steal and you must be punished, declared the teacher. As the teacher removed the leather strap from its place on the wall, Billy was ordered to the front of the room and told to remove his shirt. The arm of the teacher was raised over the bent and trembling form of little Billy. Hold it, teacher, shouted a husky voice from the rear of the classroom. It was Big Jim, a classmate, striding down the aisle, removing his shirt as he came. Let me take his whipping for him. The teacher was aghast. But knowing that justice must be demonstrated, he consented and laid the belt to the back of Big Jim with such a force that even the stronger boy winced and his eyes watered. But Billy never forgot the day that Big Jim took his place. Our scripture reading, Romans chapter 8 verses 31 through 39 presents the climax of Paul's great exposition of God's plan of salvation in the first eight chapters of Romans. The theme there is that the battle of life is to live victoriously. This is a hymn. And the first two stanzas are concerned with no condemnation and the other with no separation. The first stanza proclaims no condemnation because of the death of Christ. The first diatribe question uses a favorite formula with Paul. The second question, which contains a brief answer based on Psalm 118.6, assumes a situation such as Job 1 and 2 and Zechariah 3, in which God is the advocate of the righteous against the adversary. The death of Christ was more than martyrdom. God's own Son was offered as a vicarious sacrifice for sin as is represented in the elements of the bread and the cup. The second stanza advanced the argument that God is on our side against the adversary. The third stanza says there is no separation from the love enjoyed by those in Christ even by the worst sufferings in the human and visible world. In the last stanza, verses 38 and 39, the Christian confidence of victory visualizes that more threats to human existence. These are for the most part superhuman and invisible. We are fighting against principalities, against powers, against things in the past, against things in the future, against all things. The immediate battle for Paul and those to whom he wrote was persecution. Nero, that combination of mud and blood, was already on the throne in Rome. Only a few months later, he would saturate the bodies of Christians with oil and drive his chariots by the light of their burning bodies. It was dangerous to be a Christian. To say Lord Jesus instead of Lord Caesar often meant to sign one's death warrant. The beasts of the arena were fed on Christian flesh. When Paul asked who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, he does not speak figuratively, but literally in his day. Daily men and women face those terrors for the name of Jesus and they needed reassurance. 
While we do not have the same problems Paul faced, we do fight enemies peculiar to our age and tend to separate that tend to separate people from Christ. But what are some of the enemies that we face? Christians must fight against secularism. How vastly different is a modern mechanized life of today from the simple frontier life of our forefathers. With unhurried steps, they tramped through God's woods, slept under God's sky, drank from God's springs, and ate that which nature provided by God's providence. Today we sleep on human-made beds in human-made houses, eat canned food and drink tap water, step out on human-made sidewalks, drive human-made cars under smoke-filled skies to factories and places of work to handle tools to produce products. People are so busy that they have little time for thinking and pondering the thoughts of God. So involved are we with making a living that making a life for many people becomes secondary and we are suffering as a people for it. The battle of this age is against a materialistic view of life that exalts might before right, money before family, position before people, and greed before God. We do have the principalities that we fight against today. Christians must also fight against skepticism. We live in an age of new truth. Scientific investigation and research are daily discovering undreamed facts about the universe. For years and years in my lifetime, I thought Pluto was a planet, but they tell us now that it's not. It is an era of transition. In every field of thought, change is taking place. Ancient formulations in theology as in science have been found inadequate for so many people. Many whose faith rests on false premises are skeptical as to life's ultimate issues. Our faith rests in the integrity of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He is the truth. We are not afraid of truth. We are afraid of half-truth. Jesus has nothing to fear from honest investigation. The light of honest, critical study will but reveal more of the genuine beauty of the divine character of the Son of God. Do not let skepticism creep into your thoughts about God. Jesus understood the power of this age to tempt us and set us on paths that we should not go. And He constantly calls us back to an understanding of Him through the fact that we cannot be separated from His love. Christians must fight not also against skepticism, but also against pessimism. The news media tells every day of those who have not found life worth living. We hear it, don't we? We see it. We experience it. War budgets mount. Children are taught to hate and kill. Drugs and alcohol have strongholds. The Christian family and the whole system of Christian ethics are subject to constant attack. And people are looking for all kinds of sources to find relief. If you don't think that's true, look at how many people overdose on opiates in this day as compared to even five years ago. People are seeking relief from something that they can't name. Don't you think Paul understood that under the inspired hand of God when he wrote there is nothing that can separate us from God? When he said very clearly that there are things that we don't understand, that there are principalities and powers and things present and things to come, and all of these things have the tendency to make us pessimistic about our very existence. And God steps out through his servant Paul and says to us, but if you only will have faith in me, you will understand. 
Christian family and the whole system of Christian ethics are subject to constant attack. Man's inhumanity to man makes countless thousands mourn. It is impossible to be optimistic without faith in God. But let's be very clear. When people question the fact that God stands by and sees people suffer and nations suffer and tribes suffer and all of the suffering that goes on in the world, let's be very clear. In the midst of human suffering, in the midst of our sin-cursed world, God is there. And we have a responsibility to remind people of that, to show them that, to let them know that no matter what happens, the love of God cannot be separated from you. He calls to us. Every Christian must battle sin. And sin destroys. Sin unforgiven means death. God saves sinners when they are willing to repent and believe. God the Holy Spirit abides in Christians to help them overcome sin. Anything other than God's will is sin. And sin must go. Scripture says very clearly, there is no one who can serve two masters. We battle against that which we would keep us from giving our hearts to God. How Jesus hates sin. Could words be more graphic than these? Wherefore, if your hand or your foot offend you, cut them off. Jesus is saying that if sin be as dear to you as your arm or foot or eye, cut it off. Matthew chapter 18. How God hates sin. As the mother loves the child but hates the disease that would claim the child's precious life, so God hates sin but longs to reclaim the sinner. That's why we cannot be separated from Him. That's why He sent His Son to redeem us, to bring us back into the fold. A person vacationing in the mountain tells that his party was engaged in watching an eagle soaring majestically above the highest peaks. Monarch of the air was he. Suddenly his great wings folded and the bird fell with a thud to the distant mountain. Such an unusual occurrence caused the party to make the journey of some hours to find the bird out of curiosity. They found the eagle had clutched a weasel in his talons, which during the flight had drained the eagle's very lifeblood from its breast. So secret sin will do to you if you try to clutch it to you. Sin must go, else there can be no victorious living. And sin can go when we embrace Christ. For you see, the victory that we need and can achieve is in Christ. Verse 37, we are more than conquerors through Him that loves us. In Christ, one is on God's side. If God be for us, Who can be against us? In a battle with the lines drawn so sharply, Christ versus Satan, the will of the Spirit versus carnal flesh, good versus evil, godliness versus ungodliness, holy living versus immorality, living at one's best versus living at less than one's best. Can anyone doubt which is God's side? During the Civil War, one of Lincoln's aides is reported to have asked the great leader, Mr. Lincoln, are you sure God is on our side? Lincoln replied, I'm not so much concerned, sir, as to whether God is on our side as I am concerned as to whether we are on God's side. Victorious living is to find out what God is doing and do it with him. Following His will, not our will. There are all kinds of people that try to tell us what we should be doing and how we should be acting and how we should be reaching out to other people. But you know what? If the truth be known, the Spirit speaks to you as an individual. What is it the Spirit would have you do to let others see Christ? 
For in Christ one is justified. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is that that condemns? It is Christ that dies. Yes, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. No one can condemn a person who God had justified on the basis of Jesus' atonement. In heaven, Jesus intercedes for us. He pleads not our righteousness, but His own. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, great English preacher of times past, said one time when someone asked him about the question of God's elect and the whole idea of predestination, his answer to them was, I pray that God will give me the opportunity to save all the elect and then elect some more. That's the love of God. In Christ, one has the Holy Spirit for guidance, for overcoming sin, and for helping in praying when we don't have the words. A little boy was overheard as he prayed. He'd remembered father, mother, and sister, and now desired to ask God's blessings on the candy man down the street who had been especially kind to him. I understand that, don't you? The little boy couldn't remember his name. So he prayed, God bless the candy man, you know, the one who walks this way. And getting up, he limped across the room in imitation of his friend. You know what? I think God heard him, although he could not frame the words. How good to know that when we pray and cannot frame the words, God the Holy Spirit and God the Son are interceding for us according to God's will. You see, God knows even when we don't. Language is a barrier, isn't it? Language opens up many doors for for us, but it's also a barrier because I know in your life that there have been times when you couldn't frame the words that you needed because of the stress, distress, or hurt you were feeling. And yet you prayed, Oh Lord, hear me. And He did. He did. He wants to hear from us. I have two dogs. Most of you know that. One of my dogs is 14 and a half years old. So you know what? She gets special treatment. Because she's old. I tell her that all the time. I say, baby girl, you're old. But she gets up early in the morning. Earlier than I want to get up. And she makes sure that I take her where she needs to go to do what she needs to do. And then she comes back in and I'm so frustrated with her that I have a gate that I put up to keep her from coming back up the steps. And there's not hardly a morning that goes by that I don't hear her at the foot of those steps scratching. And you know what about her? She doesn't quit. She keeps on and on and on until I decide to go down and let her back up or someone downstairs can't take it anymore and lets her up. You know what I learned about that? She can't say a word to me, but I knew exactly what she wants. And she wanted it bad enough that she wouldn't quit. How many of us quit when it doesn't happen the way we want it to happen in the time that we have set aside for it to happen? Always remember that prayer works. It may not work the way you want it to work, but it works. The assurance of victory is in Christ's love. In our text, Romans 8, 31 through 37, Paul exhausts his vocabulary and effort to state that nothing past, present, or future in heaven, earth, or hell can ever separate us from God's love revealed in Christ. Human love may waver, God's never. Trusted friends may betray, God abides sure. No person ever came to the end of life saying, I trusted in Jesus, I served Him, but in my hour of greatest need, He failed me. Jesus pledged in John 10, 27 through 30 that he will not let us go. If all the demons in hell should try to snatch the weakest Christians from the fold of the great shepherd, they could not do it. I am the good shepherd, he said, 
and I know my sheep. The proof of God's love is on the cross. If God spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? The first two stanzas of these verses affirm with confidence that God and Christ are friendly toward us. And the last two challenge all human and superhuman foes. Behind the fortress of faith, safe and secure, there will be no condemnation and no separation. Those who love God can be assured of the love of Christ and the love of God. All this is the last phrase says, In Christ Jesus our Lord. The victory is in Christ Jesus. Trust Him. He invites you to come. Him that comes to me I will in no way cast out, He assures. Trust God. Trust Jesus. If Jesus Christ be true, it matters everything. If Jesus be false, then nothing matters. Hold on to Him. I have one more story to tell. I haven't preached before you in two weeks, so humor me. A story is told of a father and his young son walking the streets of London one winter day. The lad was proudly wearing a new overcoat. Sleet had left the streets very slick in places. The little fellow came to a slick place, out went his feet and down he fell. Getting up, he wiped the slush from his new coat and putting out his hand, he said, Daddy, let me hold your hand. They came to another slick place. Out went his feet. He held on for a moment and then down he went, falling harder than before. This time he arose, wiping the slush from his coat and a tear from his eye. He then reached up and said, Daddy, you hold my hand. On they went. Coming to another slick place, out went the lad's feet, but the strong grasp of his father's hand held him fast. Allow God to hold your hand. And you'll never be separated. And you'll always be assured of his presence. You cannot walk alone. You can hold on to God. Let go. And let God hold on to you. Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we are grateful for the power of these words. For in them we find assurance and hope. We find one who cares for us beyond even our understanding of love. Help us, Father, to always depend on you. And as we depend on you, Father, there are great things that can be accomplished in your name as we step out in faith. In the name of Jesus, amen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, hymn number 320. Hold on to Jesus and allow him to hold on to you. Isn't it good to know that there is no condemnation in Christ and that we always have one who walks with us? Will you stand as we sing?
thank you for being here. It's good to be back with you. When I was in Madison Heights last week for their 125th anniversary, the church was packed out with people, and I stood up, and I've been gone from there over seven years now because I've been your pastor for over seven years. And I said the same thing I could have said to you after being gone two weeks today. I see I left you in the same spot. Uh, and you're in your same spots, and I appreciate that uh, this morning. You know, there is a change happening. We are, the roof will start first thing in the morning. They'll start working on something, okay? Uh, the reason we had to have a definitive date to be out for the first service over there is, is because the first service folks, Jordan and so forth, they had to take all the stage equipment off and store it, and so we just had to have a definite time to do that. Uh, we will let you know on a week-to-week basis uh, in terms of Sunday school status over there for the various classes. We'll get the information out as timely as we can uh, so that you'll know uh, that that will be happening. Hopefully this won't uh, last a long time. Uh, hopefully we'll be back in there in time to do our Thanksgiving uh, meal that we do the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Uh, in the spirit of that, I know that this was long before I came here. There was a, a little discussion about the modesty rail being taken down. Uh, we're going to leave the modesty rail down until the conclusion of the project for this reason. The modesty rail is like the church building itself. It has some age on it. And we don't want to continually put it on there and take it off. It's hard on the material to do that over this time. So we're going to leave that off until after this project, but I promise you after that it will all go back like it was before. But I did want to make uh, you aware of that. that That's why that looks different there and will for the duration of the project because they need to put their equipment up here for the first service. So we've got to share the space again uh, for that. So I want to make you aware of that. Also, two other things. Uh, This is Benevolent Sunday. If you'd like to participate in the Benevolence offering, there will be deacons at the door to receive your offering. You know it goes to help people uh, in need in the Mechanicsville area. This past week, I know that the closed closet was open every night for the Caritas men, gentlemen who were here with us. and uh, So that's not part of that, but it's part of the bigger uh, picture. We were delighted that we could host them last week. There were 34 men, I think. 32, 32 men uh, here with us last week, and I thank you for the part you played in that. But again, in the spirit of that, that's our benevolence offering goes to help people who are in need. I will be traveling with the Keenage Club to Lancaster in the morning. Uh, We're going to see the um, Samson play that's put on at the Sight and Sound Theater. John is on fall break this week, so John will be in the office every day in my absence, so that's what I slipped over to make sure that I heard him right last week. So he will be there if uh, you uh, need assistance. But we should be back Wednesday afternoon sometime um, and uh, pray for us as we travel uh, and go to that uh, Monday, Tuesday, and be back uh, Wednesday. Again, thank you for being here. It's good to be back. Uh, I was here all during the week, every week, just not here with you on Sunday to see so many of you. So. Uh, It's good to be back, and I promise I won't be out again until the Sunday after Thanksgiving, okay? So um, you'll know my schedule. John will be preaching for us sometime this month because I like to give him an opportunity to preach at least once a month, so he will be doing that at the end of October uh, this uh, month. Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart on this day, we do so with the full assurance that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. We're grateful, Father that as we uh, are able to go into the world, that we can go with a purpose and a mission. And that mission is to share your love with others. May what we say and what we do when we depart from this place, may